Okay, so besides loincloths, what do barbarians wear? Oh, nothing. Just straight up naked fighter? Yeah, man. Because, like, they have to, like, it's where they're rippling. They have to show off how buff and strong they are. Well, and they don't want that to get in the way of, like, their raging swings and their of their weapon. Right? Jesus, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> already. Already we're going there. Fuck. I was like, oh, I'm going to shock by saying battle skirt. But nope, just the raging swing of their weapon. I'm yeah. not wrong. No. You were not incorrect. No. <laughs> Because I imagine barbarians have, like, those muscles where they can barely, like, touch their elbows together or, like, right. move yes. their arms in a very, And like, they have to way. keep them out to the side a little bit. They always constantly look constipated and uncomfortable. <laughs> so, Jamie, like... <laughs> everybody has a barbarian in their lives, you know? Like, everybody has one somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, no. Loincloth or nothing. <laughs> Yeah, you need to put that at the end of the episode. I'm going to put that on my wedding invitations. Like <laughs> cloth or nothing. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode where we continue our conversation on playable classes in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I'm Megan and with me today are Casey and Adam and this episode is called Barbarians, Giant Threats on the Battlefield. That's the most normal title I've had to say in a It is episode 246. Like, I have done this. so many like not including the undead puns. I have not included, do you guys remember the plant episode? Yes. There was nothing but puns for the entire opening. And there are some days where I look at it and I go, we're covering giants today. That's, that's the word I'm using. That's what I'm get. done. So. so good. So we previously covered the Battle Rager, Berserker, and Totem Warrior subclasses in our first Barbarian episode. Which started off with a breakdown of the regular class features and level progression. In our second Barbarians episode, we went over the Ancestral Guardian, Storm Herald, and Zealot, as well as the sections in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which encouraged players to consider personal totems, tattoos, and superstitions. In the third Barbarian episode, we discussed Path of the Beast, Path of Wild Magic, and the optional class features from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters will be looking up to Bigby and his insights on barbarians in the glory of the giants. See? See, that was the pun, looking up to Bigby, because he's a halfling. That's what you get. Yeah. We discovered I was very un- uninspired by <laughs> 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 Bigby was. I, I, I'm nearly like, a, oh. I nearly did a spit take while I was editing that. You were so disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I digress. Uh, Before we jump into that, I want to bring up that we've seen a number of barbarians at our table in one-shots and campaigns. What's the most barbarian-y barbarian moment that you've seen at the table? Mm, Shall we roll initiative? Sure. Yeah. I got a 13. I I also got a 13. Oh, happy Halloween. Oh, no, that was you. I was was black. black. (laughs) Okay, 17 for me. Oh, don't want to enough. Well, it doesn't then. matter. Still a 10. Fair All right, enough. so, Megan? So, I played in a campaign where we had a barbarian in, like, a, um, it was one of those, like, it was Japanese-themed, but it was 5th edition, and he was an oni, but an oni barbarian. And he was dumb as sticks. Like, just 
That's what a barbarian needs to be. I know. And like, I think that's the most, first of all, that's the most barbarian thing to be is just dumb and nails, right? But I remember it was the same kind of concept where the DM definitely spent a lot of time making a puzzle for us. And it was like this weird, like, it was like a talisman that we had to move in certain directions to make things work. And we couldn't figure it out. So it was one of those situations where he just broke it. Mm-hmm. And then by breaking it, the DM had to figure out a way to either progress the story or punish us for fucking it up. In the end, there was like a 50-50 that they decided to do. But that to me is the most barbarian thing. Being like, okay, you're taking too long. Let me break it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Am I next? Or yeah, no, you're next. I'm yeah. next? Yeah. Um, okay, I'm having a, a moment. Okay, Xenthos was a barbarian, yep. correct? Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank God. I was like, wait, maybe he was a fire. No. Um, I would say when Xenthos... We were, went exploring, and he went into a room and then decided to smash everything, including all of the healing potions. Okay, all right. And, so and I, didn't I, tell us about them ever, and we were dying. Just walked like nothing happened. I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah. I, I had the privilege of DMing that, and I had created this tiny little tunnel. You had to crawl through to get in there. There's only enough room for like two people to stand. Yeah. But there was an altar of Tiamat in there, right? Because mm-hmm. I the once... Hey, we're doing gods. I'm getting this in early for everybody. And he looked at it and went, well, that's a deal with God. Time to smash. If he had opened the cupboard, the, he smashed. And like, yeah, you hear stone and glass. He's like, and glass? <laughs> yes. What? And yeah, and you see a bunch of lightly blue potions on the ground that's seeping into the dirt. Fuck. Yeah. Told no one. No one else knew. He, he, came was, back. he was a Leonin barbarian. Yeah. The, there oh was, my God. There were no other heels in that entire dungeon. No. Nope. That was it. I know. <laughs> like, you guys lost some NPCs. But like, yeah, it was like meta knowledge that we knew that he had done that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But as, play, as the characters, we had no idea. He just walked out and he was just like, nope, nothing in there. And yeah. Like, nothing to see here. And we're like, you fuck. So, very barbarian That's very barbarian uh, I'm going to say the, okay, so his, his motto was confidently incorrect. And I was really honestly thinking about his Enthos moment when you guys went up to the top of the bell tower, which was the key to solving the entire false Hydra. <laughs> and he just cut the rope and knocked the bell down just out of spite. Mm-hmm. That was pretty barbarian. But the one that sticks out in my head is Jamie. Jamie was, was playing uh, Boar, the Borbarian, and he was systematically fighting and fucking his way through the campaign. But I had a whole... I built a character in a previous campaign that was tied to his before I took over as a DM. And the whole big deal was you you are the chosen one. I have seen visions of you saving my orphanage. You were like... The orphanage I grew up in, they've tasked me to find you and to bring you back. You are my savior. Mm. And in the last session of that campaign, they had the opportunity to walk through a portal and go rescue because the attack, the uh, Knowles were attacking the orphanage. And they could walk through the portal and go rescue the children. And Jamie said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go fight the war chief one-on-one. So the orphanage burned. The orphans (laughs) died. (laughs) My character, who had died to resurrect Jamie's because he is the chosen one, was a ghost and was watching in horror the entire fucking time. And and I, I, okay, hold on. I know that Jamie doesn't freaking listen to the podcast anymore, but I'm going to read this out. Because he sent me a message. You have notes. <laughs> I, I, Jamie, I have notes. I got this out of the blue. Hadn't spoken to him in, well, okay, I got this September 25th. I hadn't spoken to him since August 5th. So well over a month and a half. And all of a sudden, you know, I think about Boar deciding to leave Vargas's orphanage more than I care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a real life mistake that I drink to try to forget or something. <laughs> oh my God. Out of the blue. So good. 
I didn't respond for five days. I'm still pissed about it. Just left the man on a rant. This is your moment. (laughs) That's amazing. Don't make me pop off on this because I will. (laughs) We were about to have beef from the other side of the world. Like it was going to be a big deal. Uh, It's going to be one of those things though because it's like in a completely different time zone. That it's going to be like you get it in the morning and then you respond and then he gets it the next morning. Oh, what a great relationship. (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we get any deeper into this, before we get any deeper into this, let's cut to an ad break. Before we get back into the episode, I am joined right now by Dan, who I managed to sucker into this because I knew he would love it. Hello. And I want to talk for a second about a Kickstarter that is live right now and is essential for every DM's toolkit. It's called Tales Unbound, and it's been created by a BAF-denominated writer and editor at Afterlight Comics. Tales Unbound is three sets of cards inspired by British, Slavic, or American folktales that are illustrated and designed for Dungeon Masters writers, folklore enthusiasts, and more. The idea here is that you have a deck of 50 cards designed to help breathe new life into all sorts of genre storytelling, including fantasy, adventure, mystery, horror, and more. It's split up into three sections. The first section is made up of 20 cards that act as your opening action cards, like there's a plague in a rural village. On this card, you're given not just a scenario, but a call to action and three separate directions for characters to go in as well. The second section of Tales Unbound is a list of 20 encounter cards that include an entity like the Baba Yaga or a Jackalope. This is the act two of your story and it ties in encounters and three more kinds of directions that the players can go down. The third and final section is made up of 10 cards and that's your final act. These add unusual twists and turns including conditions that are required to resolve the issue, like having to sacrifice something personal. For those of you keeping track, that's 4,000 different combinations across (laughs) these cards. My favorite thing about this is that there are different decks as well. One for American folklore, one for Slavic folklore, and one for British folklore. At less than $20 per edition you can pledge for, it's actually an incredible deal. You can check the show notes for a link to the Kickstarter below. If you're looking for a unique, interesting Christmas gift for a dungeon master or storyteller that you know, Tales Unbound might be the answer for you. You have until December 21st, so pause the episode right now and head over there. It's only been open about a week, and they're essentially halfway to their goal. So go help a fellow DM and pledge to help fund Tales Unbound. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on player options in 5th edition. For all of those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. If you would like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you would like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. This week on the It's a Mimic Patreon, I sit down with Terry to go over the second half of the Tyranny of Dragon storyline, which means we're covering Rise of Tiamat. Terry's running it right now, so he's got some pretty strong opinions about it. 
Additionally, on top of that, I will be sitting down to go over what exactly has gone wrong with our scheduling on the Patreon, because there are a couple of episodes that are sitting there that apparently you guys can't see. So keep your eyes peeled for a Pantheon episode, a bonus episode on Forgotten Rules, and a Legend Lore Online episode. Hopefully we can get it sorted out by Friday, but it should be in your feeds as quickly as possible. Alright, so yes, we have covered many a Barbarian together, but before we go ahead, go headfirst into some of the newer build options, let's do a quick refresher on Barbarian rules as written within the PHB. But first, I just want to talk about, you've already talked about loincloths, so I said let's talk about first the image that you get when you think of a Barbarian, because I feel like that's very important. Battle skirt. But... I keep hearing when you say battle skirt, I keep hearing it in like the battle scars, like from Twilight. <laughs> like just keep that battle skirt. No, I have not seen Twilight. I do not. There's going to be a small handful of our listeners that will know what that means when I say battle scars, but that's all I can hear when you say battle skirt. <laughs> say skirt, not skirt. Skirt. Ba- battle skirt. Skirt skirt. Oh, all right, God. so. Again, when I think of, like, a barbarian, I do think of, like, the big, beefy muscle muscle man or muscle woman, muscle mommy, whatever you want to say, just walking in and not really giving a shit and breaking shit apart, right? And, like, that's based on their stats and how they're built, it kind of makes sense. All right, and again, I kind of feel like that fits because this ties into their strength and con builds. It's kind of what they're usually built with um, because they have, of course, their elusive rage capabilities, which anyone who's ever played a barbarian knows what rage is, but we'll give a little bit of a a heads up on what it is going into this. So their hit dice are D12s, which is phenomenal. Uh, It's one of the, obviously, one of the higher. (laughs) It's it's the only D12. It's the only D12, yep. With proficiency in light, medium armor, as well as shields and simple and martial weapons. Save throws are going to be in strength and con, and you can choose from animal handling, athletics, intimidation, nature, perception, survival. I really get, like, woodsmen out of this, because technically the weapons they get are great axes or a martial weapon of some kind, and then javelins and an explorer pack. So... We're not talking woodsmen, Megan. We're talking a lumberjack. We're talking the woodsmen. Yeah. (laughs) The the woodsmen, that only matters. That's true. (laughs) Yes, we're all thinking about the same thing. We're all thinking about the same guy. (laughs) (laughs) But also the muscle mommy as well. Like, there's also the the lady on TikTok who does the same thing and is absolutely equally as phenomenal. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. talk about equality on this podcast. (laughs) All right, for abilities at first level, you get, of course, your rage and your unarmored defense. Unarmored defense is kind of boring, but pretty good. It basically just means that your AC is 10 plus dex and con. And you can also take advantage of having a shield, even though you are unarmored. So you're... AC is just generally pretty high at level one. I just played a Barbarian in Dan's two-shot that we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my AC was 19 off of this. Yeah. Nice. And we, yeah. Were, we were only like, what, level? Level nine? <clears throat> yeah. So it was pretty dope. But for being in your loincloth, damn You good. have more, more than a loincloth on, though, for your Barbarian. Megan, don't ruin it. <laughs> no, not so much. Amazing. Nope. It was a battle skirt. 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 <laughs> skirt. <laughs> Alright, however, the big thing we can cover, of course, is their rage capabilities. Uh, Rage is the important piece that separates them from being just a regular brute fighter. This is the state that being that they can be, that can be turned on by a bonus action and it gives you advantage on strength and con saves. Your strength-based melee attacks get a bonus based on your barbarian level. You are also resistant to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. However, things to note, if you are able to cast spells because of some cross, you know, whatever... Uh, you can't concentrate or cast them 
when you're raging. It only lasts for one minute. I say only, that's 10 rounds. It's pretty great. But it ends if you are bonked unconscious or forget to attack an enemy um, or end it yourself on a bonus action. The number of times you can rage is determined by your barbarian level and regenerates after a long rest. So that's rage. That's kind of like their big, that's what a barbarian is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Other things you can get at second level, you can attack recklessly. Yeah, at second level, you also get your danger sense, which basically gives you advantage on dexterity saving throws against effects that you can see. So like traps and spells and that kind of stuff. And then at third level, you can pick your primal path, which in the PHB core is the berserker or the totem. Obviously, there are a few more now. Fourth level is your ability score improvement. And then, oh yeah, at fifth level, you get your extra attack and your fast movement. So your fast movement is your speed increases by 10 feet uh, while you aren't wearing heavy armor. But because in my mind, your bonus of not wearing armor, you're not really going to be wearing armor anyways. So your Mm. speed is just going to go up. At seventh level, you get your feral instinct, uh, which gives you advantage on initiative rolls. So if you want to go first, you can. Uh, At ninth, you get brutal critical, which is an extra damage die when you do critical hits. At 11th, you get Relentless Rage, uh, which just means that if you drop to zero while you're raging, you can make a con save to stay at one hit point and not just die. At 15, you get your Persistent Rage, which means rage only ends if you choose to or if you're knocked unconscious. So um, that other... The, uh, the idea of like you don't attack people for yeah. a round doesn't, doesn't Yeah, if matter. you forget to attack, it doesn't matter anymore, which is quite nice. And then at 18, you get your Indomitable Might. So if your strength check is lower than your strength score, you can just use your strength score. And then at level 20, you get your Primal Champ. (laughs) Oh my god! Primal Champ? (laughs) Primal Champ! (laughs) This is what happens when things autocorrect for you. I don't know if you've noticed, but I misspell shit left, right, and center in every text that I ever send. Oh, yeah. Like, and I missed stuff. I have turned off autocorrect. Yeah. Because I type enough D&D words that it just, like, uh, I, uh, apparently, I I had to do this recently, I got a new phone, and I was typing about Bigby, and it kept talking about Biggie, and it was was Biggie's glory of the giant, and I'm like, this is the best thing I could, I can ever imagine. Yeah. Notorious B.I.G. covering giants. Biggie. Yeah. I love it. Um, but yeah, level 20, it's called your primal path, which is your strength and con max increases to 24, and then it auto increases by four. So usually the max is 20 for a spell, yeah. or 21 sometimes, depending on what it is. Anyways, it, your max increases to 24, and then both your strength and con increase by four. That's a lot. Yeah, but that's your level but, 20. Yeah. Right? You're only going to get that for three sessions at the most. At the right? most. Yeah. Or if you're doing like a level 20 campaign. Let's see. And, and that's if you do a full-ass barbarian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oh. if you're wearing a, a <laughs> battle score, you might be a full-ass barbarian. Ass out. Absolutely. Mm. I like it. Did you say absolutely? Yes. On purpose? <laughs> <laughs> so fucking good. <laughs> All right. We uh, got some questions. Want to roll some dice about barbarians? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go black again. All right, you do. Oh, I got a three. I got an eighteen. Thirteen. So Adam, you're first. Yeah. So the one that we're gonna talk to about today brings us to our ninth and maybe final subclass for the fifth edition barbarian. So considering that clerics get fourteen subclasses and wizards get thirteen, do we think that the barbarians got done dirty by Wizards of the Coast? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because of their nine, they got two shitty ones as well. That's what like are the, the two shitty ones? The Berserker and the Battle Rager. Okay. The Berserker, it's the most classic, the most barbarian of barbarian, but you get punished with levels of exhaustion for using your shit. Yeah. So you're not oh. going to use it. And then Battle Rager, you have to be a dwarf. 
you have to wear heavy armor and covered in spikes in order to get any of the shit. So you just run around grappling people with spiked armor. Yeah. But I mean, you're a dwarf. Your movement speed, I mean, yeah, you get the bonuses later on as a barbarian, but well, it's only if you're unarmored. Yeah. So, like, bullshit. They're bullshit. I, I think, I remember we covered them. That was the first subclass episode that we ever did. It was like episode, I don't even know, like 13 yeah. or something. And we were like, oh, these are pretty fun. And no, since then we have learned better. <laughs> you're like, never mind. Like, actually, yeah, no. after I, reading more. Fucking noob. <laughs> so, yeah, it, there are nine now. There are really only seven. And people really only play one. Yeah. Right? Like, you get bear totem as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Right? They're, they make up 50% of the barbarians that exist, so. Very true. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think that's probably why I have been less interested in playing a barbarian, because there's just not that much there, and so I've never really wanted to, mm-hmm. um, but I really want to now, <laughs> and can't wait to do it, because there's, yeah, really cool options, in my opinion. Yeah, I will agree that, like, when I go through and, like, wanting to pick something that's a fighty character, I will go for a fighter. I will go for something else other than a barbarian. Because once you're a barbarian, all you are known for, no matter what the fuck you do with your character, is you rage. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. And you just do big damage or none. Yeah, or just take <laughs> hits. And yeah. Like, go stand in front of the thing. Yeah, whereas like if you do like a fighter or a paladin or someone who's also a martial class, there's always, a little, there's always a little bit more meat and juice to it, as opposed to, like, a barbarian. But to your point, I haven't read a lot about them because I just make that assumption that I'm, like, I'm going to be bored playing this. Also, it's the only class that penalizes you for multi-classing. Yeah, that's true. Right? Everybody else, no, no one gets penalized by saying you can't cast spells sometimes. Yeah, that one was surprising. Well, mm-hmm. Jamie ended up, we were playing Curse of Strahd, he was a barbarian, and we were low level, so he couldn't hit anything. Everything was incorporeal or a damage you resistance. need a magic system. weapon or whatever. So, yeah, and he yeah. didn't have one yet. And so our DM at the time wasn't a, a DM like, for very long. So he was like, he wasn't handing out these items. He didn't know how to mitigate this. So Jamie gave up, but what, level five, and just started taking levels in Sorcerer. And so he was the barbarian that was running in and casting spells. And only raging if he thought he might take damage. Oh. And that was it. And so he used it as a defensive thing only. Because in Curse of Strahd, for him anyway, a level one sorcerer was more powerful than a, than a fifth level barbarian. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember like it was surprising when he raged. I was like, oh, you're mm-hmm. raging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can do it, that. Because it rarely happened. When Dan yeah. sat down at our table, and he has been played so many barbarians, like his Oscar the Orc character is a barbarian. And he sat down, I watched Jamie not rage for three sessions, and started to like, I don't want to say have anxiety, but he was definitely sweating. It's like, you're doing it wrong. You're playing (laughs) D&D wrong. I I kept having to like raise my finger at him to be like, no coaching. His dad would go, you know, if... uh, (laughs) That was my my favorite Dan moments when I first started playing with you guys. And like, don't teach me. Don't look at me like I'm playing my paladin wrong. Get the fuck out of here. I don't want to heal. If I don't want to heal you, I'm not going to heal you. Like, fuck off. Get bent. (laughs) Dan was used to to playing min-maxi characters. And that's one thing that the barbarian does well. Is they are great for min-maxing. You do, you can dump intelligence and wisdom and even dexterity, right? And just get really tanky. They're a really good intro character. Like, if it's your first time playing D&D and you've never built a character before, the base barbarian is pretty simple to pick up and figure out how to build a character. Fighter's easier. 
Fighter <laughs> is easier, and that's why I say yeah. that sometimes we'll yeah. just go for the fighter, because there's yeah. a little more flavor text to it, and it is easier to play. Mm-hmm. But I do find that Barbarian, if you want, is another easy switch. I consider it to be mid-tier of all of the classes. Like, yeah. it's it's not terrible, but there are some shitty builds. There's some great builds. Like I say, the Bear Totem Barbarian, the most powerful... I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the most powerful martial subclass in the player's handbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My nephew just built, like, just picked that in, and, like, I, then I had to get more informed on it because I'd never played it. I'm like, and I'm like, what is, what is the ability again? <laughs> but, yeah, it is very cool. So, like, if there was one good option, there was one good option in the player's handbook. Yeah. It's just, that was the only thing. And not even the other, what were the other paths for it? Because there was, like, wolf totem, which was meh. Yeah. You get more totems, I think, in Xanathars as well, like elk and... But why wouldn't you but pick why bear? But why wouldn't you pick bear? <laughs> it was yeah. just by far best. Yeah. Why bother? All right. Uh, so there are a whole lot of strength-based races out there, or lineages. If we look at the bonuses that were offered uh, before Monsters of the Multiverse, there are some lineages that are clearly meant to be a better fit for barbarians than others. So I'm going to read off a bit of a list. This is not including the marks of Ever- from Eberron, and you... I want us to kind of choose what one we think would be like a sneaky or subtly amazing fit for Barbarian, kind of according to flavor. Sure. So for our plus two strength modifier um, lineages, we've got Dragonborn, Goliath, Half-Orc, Minotaur, Orc, Mountain Dwarf, Bugbear, Longtooth Shifter, Githyanki, and Centaur. Our plus one strength modifiers are Fallen ASMR, Zerial Tiefling, Duragar, Earth Genasi, Leonin, Beast Hide Shifter, Triton, Human, and Furbolg. So, Adam, you're first. Who's your sneak? Who's your sneaky, sneaky barbarian? To Triton. Triton. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I had Dave in the Evil Campaign playing a uh, her name was Fletherin, and she was a, a Triton barbarian, mm-hmm. and she was uh, what's the one that's tied to the elements? The um, like Storm what? Herald. Yeah. And so she ran around with all of her with with a trident. And then a bunch of javelins. And it was all just piercing damage through and through. But he ran around and just fucking decimated the enemies. Nobody else. And I had like, James was in that party. And I mean, he was just lighting everything on fire that he could. But nobody had the kill count yeah. that Dave had as Fletherin the Triton Barbarian. And like, <laughs> she was easily the one that I had to design my encounters around. That's fun. Yeah. That was pretty good. And we weren't even near the coast. Like, he was just doing Storm Herald shit because he could. Doing watery stuff. Just just <laughs> getting moist. Love that. Um, okay, two jumped out at me, but I think Earth Genasi could be fun in the sense that um, you're probably just automatically going to assume, okay, it's just going to, like, use... Your magical elemental, like, being... Like, you're not going to be just a, a brute force. Right. right. Yeah. But then you have the extra level of the barbarian rage on top of that. So, mm-hmm. like, you would, like, lean into the kind of the thunderous stomps and all of that. I think that could have a lot of flavor to it. It's true. What was the other one you thought? Fallen Asmar. It's because I've just... <laughs> I'm, I'm so fucking done with Asmar. I am so <laughs> I done with Asmar. They we pop love up angels. And, and, fuck. We love them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I digre- I went further into I, the Earth tonight. I, I appreciate that. I do appreciate it. <laughs> I would like to do this one, she says. Uh, the first one I picked was Centaur, just because I think it would be fun to play with the movement because they get an automatic 40 speed. 
and they have a charge ability. Mixed in with being able to rage, you get the extra 10. Like, you're now running at 50 fucking speed, and you can charge, rage, and then just pop a bunch of stuff off. Yeah. So, like, I don't think that they're sneakily barbarians, because they're big brute forces in my mind. But, like, I think from a stats perspective, it was interesting to think of how you would build that and how it would operate on a battlefield. Like, if you want to say someone taking charge of a fucking battlefield, it's going to be a centaur barbarian. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And you can imagine it, like beefing itself out like it's raging while it's charging so yeah. like you can kind of like portray that too but i have to ask for the battle scart do, <laughs> do we put that which legs which legs does it go on th- does it go on they don't wear any kind oh, of battle skirt this is like an hour-long conversation <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna have like those fluffy things around like their ankles like you know that the rave kids wear that'll be their their battle fluffies <laughs> The different colors tell you which tribe they're from. 100%. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're going to have little hearts to tie them together. I like your battle fluffs. I love your battle fluffs. <laughs> oh my God. And then the other one I chose was human. Uh, everybody knows Gee, I love playing why? Human. Megan, really? You picked Shocking. that human? Everybody is always like, we play D&D to like play these mystical, magical creatures. Like, no, no. I play a D&D. I play D&D to like... Imagine myself as a better person. Or a <laughs> isn't that person. what L5R is for? No, that one is for heartbreak. This one is for being a badass. Okay, this one's for catharsis? Yes. But yes, absolutely. But it's also because I just like making Dragon Ball Z-themed characters. Really? And so the idea of the rage is just the Super Saiyan nonsense to me. It fits really well from a thematic standpoint. So I've always loved the idea of human barbarians. Just saying. That being said, so what other, what is another race or lineage that you think would make a natural barbarian based on lore and history? Uh, I'm going to say the halfling. You think so? I have played a halfling barbarian, Grisp, who is an NPC in our, our world, who's always running around being just trouble. I played him. I get, I made that character again. I'm, I'm the forever DM. I get to play for four sessions and then they become an NPC in my world. (laughs) That's fair. So... I fucking love Grisk because he just had an attitude problem. And he was a sailor, right? So all of his shit was... He didn't have an axe. He had one of those long-ass, like, fish hooks that you do to, like, you grab the tuna and haul it up onto the... And he ran around with those and just, like, busting kneecaps and taking out freaking ankle tendons. And I was very, very descriptive with Grisp. He had an attitude problem. <laughs> yes. I remember disliking him a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Lots of eye rolls. Yeah. Uh. Well... You both know I have a love for Loxodons, so that was the one. I think we even talked about it when we talked about the Loxodons. Like, it would be a great one. Mm-hmm. Like, the yeah. charge that they would have. They're just big um, creatures to begin with. Yeah. yeah. And it fits in very well with, like, the protective community style of Loxodons and elephants. Yeah. Um, because it's like, okay, you came in and did what to who? And then, you know, rage. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so. Oh. I went with kobolds and changelings because I feel like their rage just comes from their chaotic nature. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I can see it. Just they don't even know what they're doing. They're just like blind fucking rage when they get pissed off, or their kobold buddy steals their backpack. Yeah. Like they just rage and punch them. Oh in the my face. goodness! Yeah, like can you imagine a goblin raging? <laughs> yes, yes, I have seen goblin barbarians. They are hilarious. Yeah, yeah. the changeling one is weird. I have trouble wrapping my brain around that because they're all charisma and sneaky and that's every changeling i've ever seen but that's that's the chaoticness of it like they just some like some people like the most changelings i've had in games 
tend to be changelings because they change at the most inopportune time. Like that tends to be the theme that they do with it. And right. like, so I imagine that if they have like that chaotic nature to them that they can't control when they change, they can't control when they rage, when they rage, they change. Yeah, that's fun. Like thematically, I think it's really cute that like you are this like happy-go-lucky human being and then all of a sudden when you rage, you are completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just your personality changes and then your physical like appearance changes too. It was kind of like... um in the Dungeons and Dragons movie with the owlbear. Like, yeah. whenever the owlbear showed up, like, it was a fit of, like, destruction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, in the final battle, like, yeah, it's like, that could have been raging. That's yeah. kind of fun. <laughs> it's true. Uh, is there a race or lineage that makes the least sense to be a barbarian? Uh, the Kalistar from Eberron. They're weird and psychic and standoffy, and they're kind of like... Every time that I've seen a Kalistar, they've always been... Just kind of distant, and they're because they're they're aloof. Yeah, they're they're from like they're dealing with a uh, a hitchhiking aberration that is inside their head, and b they're like kind of ha- connected to the dream space, the dream realm, and like hard to rage from there, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, well, and I instantly started thinking of like just the classic elf. Like, you wouldn't really... Because I, I imagine, you know, Lord of the Rings elves. Like, also, they've lived a long time. So it's just like the concept of raging seems... Yeah. Doesn't like, really what could I get me. them so bad yeah. at this point? So, a pretty basic one, but it came to mind. Yeah. I was thinking anything fey. Like, herring guns, like any of that kind of... Like, anything fey related just didn't really fit with me. Like a, like a fairy raging? Yeah. <laughs> it would just be like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've pooping. seen Tinkerbell get angry. Oh yeah, just stomping, <laughs> yeah. just like. <laughs> 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 but that's like yeah. I immediately went to that just because of you know the Feywild and like their their trickstery, their mindsy. Like they're not gonna waste their time being physical because a gonna... satyr would. Oh yeah, I can see that. That's right, fair. not not all Fey. A satyr would. Some Aladrin would. Fine. <laughs> no, no, no. But I think I think generally you're right. The yeah. fairy, a, a pissed off Herringon is funny. Yeah. <laughs> just a pissed off rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. Was it uh Dave played a herring gun in our Christmas special? Was that? Yep. Yeah. That was fun. Do you remember what he was? What what did he play? An idiot. He was playing an idiot. <laughs> That's fair. Um Alright, any final thoughts uh on the topic of just like our plain traditional barbarian before we go into our more detailed option? No, I mean we we're on episode four of Barbarians. I feel like I have said everything I've needed they to say. They hit stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say this. There's nothing, I think, in 5th edition that says it's got to be melee weapons. Throw axes. Use javelins. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. they get javelins in their base. So, yeah. like, use them. I just, I always love the Barbarian with the quiver of javelins hanging off the belt or the bandolier of hand axes yeah. across the chest, right? Like, it... You could very easily just throw weapons as a barbarian and be just as effective. I throw weapons as every character I play. It's just this how I roll. Is I just <laughs> if I can't hit it, I throw things at it. And like I remember when I was playing my paladin, I used my javelins a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. actually how Cora killed Akra was with a javelin. She oh, threw a shit. she threw a I javelin at you while you were in midair. Yeah. <laughs> you fucker. You fuck <laughs> Yay! 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 I swear we like each other. We don't, our characters hated each other, but we like each other. 
All right, Casey, take us away. Well, that is a great segue because we got a lot more options with this path. So yes, we are we are going into the path of the giant barbarian, which is in Big Big B presents Glory of the Giants, the newest book. Um, so we know at this point that most giants from the Ordning have powers connected to the elements. Like we have storm, cloud, frost, stone, fire, and at the bottom we have hill giants, whatever. Yeah. Um, Boo them. <laughs> <laughs> wait for a minute. today. Wait a minute, wait for a minute, today. Wait a minute. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, Adam. <laughs> a hill giant, the only class they could be is barbarian. <laughs> yes. That's fair. <laughs> um, so Path of the Giant gives your barbarian many amazing abilities where they draw their strength from these elemental powers that the giants have. You can get very creative with this for your physical appearance and how you want your character to use that primal force. Now that now all of the these features come into play while raging. Mm -hmm. So you're going to hear me say that a lot. But that is what barbarians are known for, like you mentioned already. Rage. So yeah, we're talking, these come into play while raging. Uh, okay, so let's start with the first subclass feature you get when you select Path of the Giant at third level. It is Giant's Power. So you learn to speak, read, and write Giant. And if you already know Giant, you get to learn one other language. Um, you also learn a cantrip. And this is using the wisdom for your spellcasting ability. You can choose either druidcraft or thaumaturgy. So this one is kind of interesting to me because like you were saying about dump stats, like usually no one's gonna put anything into wisdom if they're doing a barbarian and here that will bite you in the ass a little bit. That's why you, but... pick, that's why you pick thaumaturgy. There's no save or, or <laughs> yeah. stat associated with it. You just it. yell really loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that also makes sense like, yeah. for, for a barbarian. Uh, so next is Giant's Havoc. When raging, you gain additional strength and destructive force. These include crushing throw. When you are successful on a ranged attack with a thrown weapon using strength, you can add your rage damage bonus to the damage roll. You also get giant stature. Your reach increases by five feet. And if you aren't already large, your size increases to large, including everything you are wearing. Like that loincloth. <laughs> we love a good loincloth. It becomes a sheet. No, it doesn't. It becomes a towel instead yeah, it's of a napkin. Like, instead of a hand towel, it's an actual towel. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, this, is, this is why Adam's never on any of our episodes. Could not handle. <laughs> um, it does note that in order to increase to large size, you must have the space to increase to that size or it won't happen. In a barbarian build, you can choose either martial melee weapon if you don't choose the great axe. Mm -hmm. So if you choose a weapon that has 10 foot reach, it will now have 15 foot reach while raging, which is quite rare. And yeah. that's like third level ability. So that's quite good, I would say. Having a 15 foot reach weapon? Yeah. yeah. I just finished playing this for two two sessions. I was a Path of the Giant. <gasps> it was oh, so much fun. And oh my gosh. if we weren't given like, choose any magic item you want. And I went with a magical mace, right? Because it gave me a bunch of shit. But I got to be Thor. I had to throw it and it would come back to my hand. Yeah, it's so good. But I was looking at a glave. I was going to yes! just 15 <laughs> foot reach. And then your large size too. So like, I'm going to hit you over there. Yeah. Yeah. I was so all good. about it. 
Oh yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> oh my. Uh, all right. So at sixth level, you gain elemental cleaver. Um, as you bond with the elemental might of the giant giants, you can infuse weapons with primordial energy. So while raging, you can choose one weapon you are holding and infuse it with one of the following: acid, cold, fire, thunder, or lightning. While wielding that weapon, the damage changes to the one you chose and deals an extra 1d6 damage on a hit. It can now be used as a thrown weapon as well with normal range of 20 feet and long range of 60 feet. And when you throw it, it reappears in your hand instantly after hitting or missing its target. So good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love this. Uh, and while still raging, you can change the weapon's damage type using a bonus action. And the weapon's abilities will not work if wielded by someone else. So it's unique to you. Hmm. Uh, yeah, phenomenal. Loved it. It was it was so much fun. Very handy. Yeah. yeah it was, <laughs> Unintended. It was, it was good. Because, <sighs> yes, like, why not... You're too far away, and okay, I move. Well, you use up all your move, you're still not there. That's your turn. Congratulations, you're a barbarian most of the time. That's what you get. Well, and on a bigger <laughs> map, you've just lost your rage. Yes. Because you didn't get an attack in. So yeah. if you have to throw a weapon, then you might as well throw a weapon and have it be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Um, okay, so at 10th level, you get Mighty Impel. You gain the ability to hurl both allies and enemies on the battlefield. I like how this is now written into someone's, like, because I have so always played characters that have been yeeted across a battlefield just as roles written. Yeah. yeah. The fact that it's now written into someone's ability, phenomenal. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, while raging, as a bonus action, you can choose one medium or smaller creature within reach and move it to an unoccupied space you can see within 30 feet. So, it's like... It, it, in my yeah. head, you roll them up in a little ball and bowl with them. Yeah. <laughs> or baseball. Like, yeah. <laughs> whichever, like, goes around the obstacles to where you need it to go, right? If the creature is unwilling, it must succeed on a strength saving throw to avoid being tossed, and that is a DC 8 plus proficiency plus strength. If the creature ends its movement on a surface that cannot support it, like off a cliff or over water, the creature falls and takes damage as it normally would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, watch, you watched me do this. Yeah, I did 100%. I, I wasn't level 10, so I wasn't throwing them 30 feet, but I was picking them up, walking my movement speed, Dropping. holding them over the ledge, and letting go. Amazing. Yeah. 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 It's what we all want to do. But the best part was they landed. Okay, so sorry. They landed. There was a big splash. Everybody downstairs, all the enemies were like, what the fuck was that? And they all came to look, and then suddenly my mace came down and and murdered them. It was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So. so good. Yeah. All right. So we next go to 14th level where you get uh, Demiurgic Colossus. Your giant strength intensifies. While raging, you gain an additional 10 foot reach. Your size increases again to large or huge, whichever one you want. And you can use Mighty Impel on large creatures in addition to the medium and small. Jesus. You also deal 2d6 damage with your elemental cleaver instead of 1d6. 
So in the example where you might have a martial weapon that had a five or a 10 foot reach and then you got five more to 15, now it would be a 25 foot reach with that glaive. Oh my God. Like what on earth? Plus, plus your huge size. You are a three by three on the grid. So like you, right. you, you think it's an extra five from the center, right? So yeah, like, and that is 14th level. And that's like all the additions, but it's just amazing. There's so much there. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually had so much fun playing this character. I am a little choked that he is now an NPC. <laughs> it's like that's all she sad wrote. day, sad day. Well, that and and the party was pretty fucking hilarious. It was as a good well. time. Yeah, we. Although poor Daniel, can we just say he literally turned to us about an hour and a half into the last session and said, "Guys." Can we just play D and D? Yeah. Well, so to be fair, <laughs> it had been happening? it had been a long we hadn't played D and D in a while. It had been a long week for like a long month for everybody involved at that table. Everyone just needed to just let loose and like have a good time. Like that, uh-huh. I feel like that was the energy when we first walked in. It was dick jokes, sex jokes, <laughs> like just innuendos and, and, up the yin yang. And and an NPC said that he was next in line to be a yarl. And so we latched onto the word yarl, and we would not let it yarl. go. It was just puns. It's like, oh, I'm going to be sick. I feel like I'm going to yarl. <laughs> it was a lot of shit <laughs> like that. So. And poor Danny, she's like, can you guys stop? And I just I just said, you know what, guys? Like, this is the energy that I need. Like, I just needed a good laugh. I just needed to have a good... Like, and that was like a, a temp check of the room, because then, like, I, we let he let it go for a while, oh. and we, then we finally buckled in and we got serious, because I had said, I, I need this. Like, I, this is a good time for me. But we'll get serious in a hot second. I mean, to be fair, we played Kronk and Yzma. Yeah, we, we were, that, that's what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and I accidentally... So, Megan was also spouting Shakespeare lines the entire time. In oh Yzma's my. voice. Yeah, but, like, and using bardic inspiration to do it, to, like, inspire me. So she, like, all the world's a stage. All the world is a stage! <laughs> it was more like, but all the world is a stage! <laughs> We had oh so much fun. God. And I think, and so Kyle sat in with us, right? Because you and Charlie and Dave and Mieka were all unavailable. So mm-hmm. so it was just us. So Kyle sat in and I think he like learned some shit. I don't think he'll ever play with us again. No. <laughs> <laughs> We've scarred that man for life. He took like legitimate notes for some reason. <laughs> and we're just like, I'm sorry, you're taking notes. I took notes in character. My intelligence was eight. It was so good. Anyways, it was, yeah, it's lovely. He used some giant stuff, but I I remember writing a note about that. We'll talk about it later, but yeah, it's, uh, it was good fun. It sounds like it. I will never miss a one turned two shot ever again. (laughs) You say that, but you go to town every December, so here we are. Yeah. Right. All right. Okay, fine. (laughs) That's fine. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, that's everything. It's, it's great. We love it. I love it. All right, let's roll some dice. Let's talk about this bitch. All right, I got a nine. I got a 19. 12. All right. <laughs> Same fucking order, guys. <laughs> That's how it goes. All right, so what stats, race, background clearly synergizes with this particular build? This this giant oh, barbarian. Uh, okay, so stats are clearly strength and con. Right. Although yeah. when you're that big, you tend to be the target, so Dex wouldn't hurt either. Yeah. And uh, you do want to go early in initiative. Yeah. So that's that's for stats. For race, I chose a Goliath. I mean, it's 
right there. It's on the nose, right? Your giant kin. But like a furbolg would work well too if they weren't so laid back. Yeah. Although when we did the furbolg episode, we talked about how there are some like defenders of the forest who are very much are very brutal. Like you come in, you won't see them coming. You will just wake up in the morning to have all of your mounts eviscerated and like put on display in your camp mm-hmm. with a message from the furbolgs that say, get out. Mm-hmm. Like they won't directly fight you the first night. But they are quite brutal. So, like, you you could dig into that. Yeah. Um, and then background. Oh, fuck. There really isn't a giant background. Like, I know that we get Tomb of Annihilation because it's the archaeologist. So, I'm thinking, like, if you couple this with, like, a rune knight kind of build. I was going to say, because, like, the... yeah, Bigsby does now give you rune carver as well. Yeah. If you wanted to add some history knowledge perception to your character. But it doesn't really fit barbarian. No, not so much. Yeah. But, like... I like the idea of you stumbling upon something, you learn some runes, and suddenly you have the knowledge to be able to yeah. hulk out. But, I don't know, background's a tough one. Outlander, but I mean, that's just standard barbarian. Yep, that's true. Yeah, I think they filled the gap a little bit with the backgrounds they added because of that. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, do we have anything that rounds this out? Um, I find it's like hard to think of one that truly wouldn't in terms of like race. Yes, stats are clear. It's the same, basically the same as what you do with any other barbarian. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you wanted to do something a little bit more interesting, like the small sized races could benefit from a lot of the things because now, hey, hey, I am large, like for the things that don't benefit them of being smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, like a halfling transforming into a large creature that has a 20 foot reach with a glaive would be very entertaining. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's synergy there in that it's quite unique mm-hmm. um and yeah i struggled on the background part too i'm like i feel like that's why they built some new ones in this book yeah and like at the end of the day i also feel like it's built to be a large creature to start with so your automatic is to go for the larger like i'm gonna do a loxodon or i'm gonna do a centaur or i'm gonna do anything yeah. it's, it's built to be a large character because you're picking things up you're throwing them you have a longer reach so it just makes sense to pick a larger character yeah. But I do like the idea of picking a lineage that is the smaller size so you do see them expand into like, like I am a regular size person, but no, I have this giant blood in my system and now I can, that, that's what my rage is. It's me going into my giant lineage and I can become slightly more giant. Yeah. Right? As you were talking, I just remembered there's a demon called a Garistro, which is very much just a massive giant bull demon. Yeah. But it's huge size. And, like, I, we have the mini for it. I've dropped it on the table a couple times. It's been a while. But How dare you? Like, it's it's scary. This thing will fuck up a decently high-level party. Yeah. But the idea of then turning, like, level 14 and you could become huge, too. So, like, I have the giant bull demon. Hey, mm-hmm. me, too. Here yeah. we go. Let's do this. Yeah. Like, minotaur off. I think it's, that could be pretty fun. And then you eat them off a cliff. And then, yeah, then you could eat them off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody throwing everybody everywhere. That's the whole battle. There's no weapons. It's just just yeah. eating things. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But like I kind of agree as well with like when it comes to backgrounds, is I feel like the easiest go for is are things like you're a marine, you're a mercenary veteran, you're a knight of the order, you're like you have a physical background. Like, yeah. Even if it's like sailor. Sailor was a really sailor good, would be one. A good one. Yeah. 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 But yeah, just to add a little bit extra to that. But I I do like the fact that this one touches on having wisdom, though. And, yeah. like, I would almost want to do, like, you are a scholar because you wanted to research your lineage and where you were from or something along those lines. Or you're a noble because you come from a giant family and you're in the bloodline, but you don't know that you are because you're part giant kind of thing. 
Like, I think those are some things that you can really tie in to make it a little bit more interesting because you are playing now with a wisdom-based character if you wanted to expand yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. See, I, w- I tend to lean into wisdom as my fourth stat for a barbarian because yeah. that's the one that's all about perception and you want to be able to know what's going on around you. As a barbarian, your survival should be high. Mm-hmm. You should have a basic understanding of how to heal people considering you have a basic understanding on how to rip under shreds. Yeah. Right? So I like, can take this apart. Yeah. I can kind of put it back together. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone have any glue? But like intelligence and charisma are the ones that I that I dump, right, for yeah. a barbarian. And I think that's pretty common. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I kind of saw how, like, say if you've played a druid a lot or you love druids, but you were either told, like, Adam, you cannot play another druid in the next campaign. Please, for the love of... You know, Everybody has gods. that one that they're not allowed. Right? <laughs> I feel like you won't be the one that's being told that. It'll be some telling Dan. Yeah. <laughs> no, Charlie gets to don't play a druid again. I'm okay. tired of that. Fair enough. Right. Okay. And so this could give you like a f- feel of druid because you get to use the elements. You get to do a bit more with like having to switch things up to use different pieces of elements. Um, there's a tiny bit of magic in there. I feel make like it, it a Janassi, could... and then you're you've got a Charlie character. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it could be it could be like they grew up with druids around them, and then had some influence from the giants. It's why you they... have druid craft and shit. Yeah. And so yeah. they aren't a druid. <laughs> that is such a fucking Dan loophole. Oh, so sorry. So like, I can like I'm gonna sidebar this for a hot second because I kind of want the answer to this question. You can put this at the end of the episode. Charlie can't play druids anymore. I'm just doing the math and everybody. What's everybody yeah. else's? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So I. Would... I don't feel like we have any. Oh, I know what mine we... is. <laughs> yeah. Ma- Megan's not allowed to play a human. As a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, Megan has to play a spellcaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're gonna what? take. We're gonna oh take the boy. punch right out of out of the. But I like hitting things <laughs> so hard. Um. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Dave is nothing martial. He's got to play a spellcaster, too. Fair. Uh, Charlie is no rogues and no druids. Yeah. He'll be so mad. <laughs> He'll end up on Warlock. Yeah. Uh, Mieka has to play something martial. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get rid of those spellcasters. Put yeah. that spell book down. Yeah. Stop yeah. standing in the back. <laughs> get up here in the front with the rest of us. We already have Dan in his lockdown where he's not allowed to multi-class. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yes. So, um... And I don't know, Casey, is, is something radically different every She's well rounded. I do. I try and, like, that's <laughs> why I think I, oh, next time, like, I am in love with this. You know, yeah. time will tell. But I feel like she always plays the mother of the group, though. I feel like you can't play. No, you didn't meet Eveline. Oh, Eveline yeah, that's was, true. was, was not at all the mother of the group. <laughs> Eveline was like, why do I have this thing I now have to look after and make sure it doesn't kill things? Shades of Mieka. <laughs> Oh, yeah, wow. the, very much. The, I do not want to deal with. Do we have to save the NPCs? We could just not. Oh my Atlanta! All right, yeah. fine. Talk shit, get hit. I get it. All right. In your opinion, what are the strengths of the class when it comes to role playing this subclass? I mean, it's all about your battlefield control. If you've got that reach, mm-hmm. I am not like my level eight ability score improvement. I'm taking Sentinel. Yeah. I am locking this shit down. Mm-hmm. Right? Or I want to take mobile because if I'm this size and I'm moving through a battlefield, I am now taking up twice as much or like in like four times as much actually space on the battlefield, which means I am passing through people's range to hit me. I'm incurring opportunity attacks all of the time. Mm-hmm. So 
mobile gets me through that, right? So yep. this is where I'm thinking, like, I'm going to really dig into the movement aspect of this uh, character and and the reach. That's yeah. a, That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And surprise the... The enemy with that, ha, you didn't reach to me. (laughs) But yes, I did, even though I'm still 25 feet away. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, like, having access to five different damage types and being able to switch it out. So, say you are ambushed or you enter a combat and you get, like, hit with lightning damage. Mm. And it's like, shit, well, and then you can just, like, either switch it from what you had or whatever to, like, be something that's gonna really hurt them. Yeah. And you, like, you can roleplay that pretty fun. That's true. I was really looking forward to doing that, but then everything was vulnerable to fire. So I'm like, well, fuck, I'm here anyway. Yeah. I always choose poison damage in undead campaigns. But we were fighting drow. So poison was nothing. Like, I couldn't mm. do that, but... <laughs> Yes, you always choose poison. I don't know why. Campaign. I just you know, you, I, leave, I was on the podcast. You're talking about poison as the most useless damage that you output. You, you just use. want it to be so good, it's though. To be don't so you? different, you know, yeah. like ugh, just that fucking edgelord case. That's fine. Yeah, it's your witchy tendency. It's it really fine. is. I make poisons and cast spells <laughs> in Kyrsis. But the poison, the poison for Cusco. <laughs> Um, I, again, I, and I mentioned it before, I really like the fact that this, this subclass touches on using magical capabilities. I'm sorry, I just remembered that you were playing Yzma and you polymorphed Kyle's character into a giant llama. Oh my god, you didn't catch that? Oh, no, 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 no. I caught it at the time, I just remembered now. <laughs> okay, yes, yes yeah, 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 I did. Yeah. I polymorphed another guy into a, into a llama. <laughs> Amazing, he probably loved it. This is why he is not going to play with you guys. Just yeah. <laughs> <broke home. laughs> Yeah, this is the poison, the poison for Cusco. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just had a lot of fun doing the voice. Dan didn't give us a single fucking lever to pull, and we were just waiting. <laughs> I was waiting for the pull the lever. Oh, my God. Probably going to, oh, cello. <laughs> pull the lever. That was the other really funny thing is because, because me, make, did you always call me make? I did. So, because Megan was quoting like Shakespeare the whole time. Her name was Osmo because I was playing Kronk and she changed it from Yzma. Yeah. And I went from Othello to Ocello. I didn't realize that Ocello means, in Italian, what was it, small Ita- bird? Uh, squirrel. So, Dan... <laughs> one of Dan's best friends is heavily Italian and, like, yells at, like, woodland creatures when they go, like, camping and stuff. Mm. And so, when I showed up as Ocello, Dan twitched because he knew the word in Italian and we had no idea. No. It was just a happy, beautiful happy little accident. Oh, squeaky yeah. McSqueaky. Warmed his heart. Yeah. So, such warm his <laughs> heart. Anyways, back to this. Right. Um, yeah, I like the fact that I we've talked about barbarians. They're hitters, they're fighters, and, like, they don't usually lean into magical capabilities. I like that this one does. Because it does give it more flavor context. You can go into backgrounds. You can use a genasi because they're tied to the elements. Mm-hmm. You can do more with it from a character building standpoint to make them more interesting within your campaign. Like, you're almost forced to come up with a background. Whereas when it comes to just making a base barbarian, you don't necessarily have to go that in-depth with your background if you don't want to. Because, yeah. like, you're a fighter. I was in the military. How exciting. That was that was Xanthos. I was so frustrated. I mean, I gave you guys multi-page, like, questionnaires about your backstory. And Dave looked me square in the eye and said, yeah, I'm not doing this. My guy is... He hits things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, he did that yeah. with my Elphivar campaign, too. He built yeah. a Miramoto that hit things, and that was his story. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It's good. 
Because, yeah. like, I imagine it, like, when, you know, it imbues a specific power for, like, the elemental cleaver. Mm-hmm. That, like, it almost transforms them into that. Like, it's not just the weapon, but, like... It's coming it, from them. Yeah, right? like, yeah. they become, like, a fire glow, or their eyes turn red, and, like, you can really lean into a bit of a transformative part of that, not just the size. Not that they look the same. Yeah. But... I mean, do what you want. Right? Their body just gets covered in, like, runes that are carved into their skin or something like that. Anyway, there's so much you can do with it. But it's because it ties it into a more of a magical background. Yeah. Naturally. Totally. can do that. All right. Are there any potential oversights or mechanical imbalances? Do we feel like it's overpowered in any way, shape, or form? No, it's pretty powerful. The later we get in 5th edition, the more powerful the subclasses are getting. It's true. Like, Player's Handbook was a lot of swing and miss for a lot of the subclasses. Like, the the way of the, the Sun Soul Monk and the entire ranger yeah. and the like the arcane archer like these are just kind of they're the there the sorcerer, like, there's, like yeah they just go yeah. so like there wasn't a whole lot of like really powerful stuff and then sword coast avengers guy gave us shit across the board but since then it's been getting more and more powerful so i'm not worried about that yeah the oversight that i see here is you should have at least one of the like sixth or tenth level whatever it is should be based on what giant type you choose. Fire giant, frost giant. Like, there should be a thing that gets tied in. That to you have different... to commit to? Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, the way yeah, you have I to pick that. bear totem or whatever, right? And it didn't have to be anything crazy. It could just be, like, you're resistant to cold damage. Or like, yeah. once or a number right. of times proficiency modifier per yeah. short rest. Yeah. Something, right? It doesn't like, have to be, like, the dragonborn stuff where you get, like, breath weapons and shit. No. Like uh, it, it could just be a, it, a flavor text. And, and I just didn't see any of that. It was, like, generic giant. It could have really, like, this could have been ogre. Yeah. Right? Path of the ogre. And you'd feel about the same. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um... Yeah, like, you can easily see that the Elemental Cleaver is really fucking powerful yep. in the upper levels. I don't really see it as a oversight. I think it's warranted. <laughs> well, because at 6th level, because I was going to say it along the same lines, but at 6th level, you're giving out magical weapons at the end of the day anyways. Once yeah. you start getting up into those tiers, right. you just come built with one. So I don't yeah. think it's an imbalance. You just get one. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the other thing that makes this extra amazing, too, is... Like, you can change the damage type, but it also isn't a specific weapon. It's the, it's the, you choose one weapon you are holding. Yeah. And infuse this power. So that's also, like, you know, because it's like, oh, like, your weapon is destroyed. It's like, lots of times that is devastating if it's, like, your magical plus whatever weapon. And then it's, it's like, well, that sucks. And then you just Here's pick another up another one, one yeah. and it does the same thing. I gotta say, because I played so much in previous editions, it was a regular occurrence where your weapons would get destroyed. They would just... Every weapon had a hardness value and a hit point. So, yep. like, over time, they would just wear down and get destroyed. And so you would only pull out your big weapons or your ancestral sword or whatever for the moments that mattered. Right. We don't do that in 5th no, edition. No, like, It all, doesn't no. fucking matter at all. As a matter of fact, between artificers being able to swap infusions over... And the Pact of the Blade warlocks are just like, I have a blade. It's a magic blade. Look at me. This is my magic blade. And it, but it doesn't have to be a blade. It can be literally anything. It can be a yes. hammer. Right? And then, I don't know, it just feels like your special weapon doesn't matter anymore. We don't have Excaliburs anymore in 5th edition. Yeah. So I do miss that. Like, this is cool and it makes it simple and it stops there being controversy at the table. Yeah. So I do appreciate it. It makes games run smoother. 
But I miss the special weapons, right? Like, That's fair. I want that to be written in a little bit more. Yeah, like the the most significant thing that I can remember in any of our campaigns is like the Sentinel Swords. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the most like specific. Sun, yep. Like we have the Sun Sword and Black Razor. Is that it? Are those the swords that people know in Fifth Edition? Pretty much, yes. Yeah, That's... my tattoo is the Sun Sword because of Fifth Edition. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then Black Razor we, we just talked about recently at one point. Yeah, like we did in the Undead. No, yeah. it wasn't Undead. No, no, no. no what it, was it in? Uh, it was in the Halloween special for the um, Warlock patrons. Oh, yeah, We yeah. did the Hexblade. Yeah. Oh, it was the one I wasn't on. The one, the one that you prepped <laughs> and then you couldn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. And who was it? Was it you or Peps that covered? Uh, it must have been Peps Yeah, because I did the Hexblade as right. a Because I'm like, yeah. I know this. I know about this. Why story. do I know yeah. about this? Why is my knowledge so recent? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so that being said, let's build a character. So mechanics aside, what is an interesting and creative build that you would use with the Path of the Giant Barbarian? I mean, assuming that we're going to play it for an entire campaign. So you can do as detailed as you want, race, background, backstory, whatever you want. What would you do? I mean, am I allowed to just do a cello? Because I love Ocello. Ocello is so yeah. well built, dude. I want to hear Make about Ocello so, since so, I know. <laughs> the other fun thing about Ocello is, okay, so he used to be a gladiator. So he had a gladiator background. Mm-hmm. And uh, his whole deal was... He was in the fights, but he doesn't remember ever not being in the fights. And he used to get in trouble for fighting when he wasn't in the ring. Save it for the ring, Ocello. Was like the thing that he still wakes up hearing in his mind as he as he wakes up. <laughs> so anytime that there was any mention of combat, fighting, we're going to send you behind enemy lines, you've got to go do whatever, whatever. He would always slowly just raise his hand and wait for someone to call him. <laughs> and so every time I had a question, I would just raise my hand and wait. And Dan was getting real frustrated until finally Megan started to manage my hand raising. But down, Ocello. Okay. Hand down. <laughs> yeah. so, so that was a lot of fun. And, and um, But he would need permission to fight. Every time that, that I rolled high in initiative, I would move closer but not attack until I saw one of my allies attack as well. So I really enjoyed playing him. Also, he was kind of like soft-spoken like this most of the time. He... He introduced himself as Ocello the Brutalator because that's his stage name. Normally, he's just Ocello the Fellow. And, like, and there, there was a lot of shit like that. But then he would rage and he would get big and do it. Like, so there was that little bit of the Hulk yeah. moment, right? Aww. So I fucking loved playing Ocello. And I don't want to relegate him to NPC. I think I'm just going to keep his, his character sheet yeah, tucked not? away. Yeah. I've got four of those now. I have four. <laughs> Characters that someday, goddammit. I love it. <laughs> what about you, Casey? Well, I had actually built a barbarian for a campaign that never happened. Maybe it will happen one day. Is this the Dan one that you yeah. said? Yeah. yeah. I wasn't, I, I for once was not going to drop Dan's name. <laughs> no, no, no. I but gotta, yes. <laughs> I bought a mini for that one. I'm pissed. I know. One day. I feel like one day. We'll get there. We'll get there. But this was a Minotaur Barbarian, and it was going to have a backstory link with your character, Megan, because you were going to play a small-ish character. Always. And then... This is a theme for you, hey? It's very much a theme. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, like... The... I like to be thrown. <laughs> My character... Well, then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, Casey. Pop off. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> So my character could was her name was Daka and she was going to be able to be a mount for yes. you. One hundred percent. We're just going there. All right. Um, no comment. Keep going. <laughs> 
And so, uh, you know, we, I don't quite remember what background specifically I picked at the time, but we had connected and we were on the road together and I'm, become like I imagine comrades. it was mercenary, I think, as we talked, because we had both worked in some battlement of some kind. It could have been, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, if that is the next, like... What path did you pick for that before? Do you remember? We we weren't were we low enough or high enough? I feel like we weren't. We, uh, no, we weren't. I think we only built like level two characters. Okay. Like I think so we, we hadn't pick picked it yet. And so, so this clearly is absolutely like fuck yes. This is what I'm doing for that. Because you're gonna be a mount character for my character. You can throw me. Yeah, great as written, not just made up the way we do it. <laughs> We don't make it up. It's we use strength rule. Leave me alone. Yeah, that's fair. I've crunched the numbers, man. We know what we're doing. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. What about you? Um, so I wanted to play into the fact that and if anyone who's listened to our giant series, I love the fact that giants are tied to runes and language. Mm-hmm. So I did want to play a little bit more on the wisdom side of things, the intelligence side of things, even though it's not necessarily, you know, you're a barbarian normally or a brute. However, I like the idea that, like, a group of, like, archaeologists or, like, a cult of some kind just has barbarians around to, like, make sure that, like, the site they're working on is safe or, like, that their church is safe. They have, like, two, like, centaur guards at the front that are these, you know, big barbarians that are tied to giant background and they keep them around for that reason specifically. So, this is just Shades of the Mummy again. Everything ties back to the mummy with Megan, 100%. But, but I like yeah. the idea of using so the background of archaeologists to add the history, because archaeologists yeah. adds history and survival, which we all agree with a barbarian should have a high survival. Yeah. Um, mixed in with the fact that, of course, they have wisdom and thaumaturgy, so they have that like boisterous, like intimidating presence if they need to, but they're not actually about that. They're about their giant history and their past and, like, we love the idea with the giants, the fact that they have such a rich history that no one really uses. Yeah. If I was going to do a Path of the Barbarian, I would want to use it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, so that's why I would kind of go in that direction, that they've spent their life around other people that have researched giants forever, find out that they have a little bit of a background, keep it to themselves, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, no, now I want to like branch out and try and figure out a little bit more about my history. And that's like their goal in life, is to learn more about giants, because they suddenly now have all these weird abilities that they've grown into. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of them, yes, working around a site, and then say, you gotta add in the trauma, right? So say (laughs) there's a cave-in. Yeah. And they are first on scene, and people and people they love and have worked they have worked with or like stood and guarded yeah. for so long are now trapped, and that's when they realize their rage yeah. and they rage lift up for their first time, yeah, and save their like whoever or just like watch their friends die because they or just the rocks and they're all dead, <laughs> yeah, or they watch them all die and then they're like, well, fuck this, no one's ever going in there again and smash the whole thing down, and then it's never a archaeological site Yeah. And then they can take the background haunted one because there is a haunted. Yeah, yeah. And they're haunted by their past. Right. right? Also, I feel like you could multi-class into Rune Knight. I said it before, but it it really synergizes cool. well. Cool. It really does. I yeah. love it. All right. We're going to go into our next portion on other barbarian inspirations. So, initially on the breakdown, I'd said I'll cover 4th edition and 3.5 as well because there's a lot of good stuff in there, but I'll just summarize. I'd forgotten what a wealth of information 4th edition is. Considering how short it was and how bonkers it was for lore yeah. and how much everybody hated it and it 
changed the language of D and D in in bad ways. Mm-hmm. You no longer move feet; you move squares on the map. You like was, die in a fire. Yeah, that's just dumb. <laughs> so, despite all that, fuck, there's a lot of inspiration for what you can add to barbarians. So, this is for all of the DMs listening, going, "I've got a barbarian. What cool shit can I do? I want to make them a new feat." I want to give them a new item. I want to give them a new thing that they can do a number of times per proficiency modifier. I don't want them to be able to do this one thing, so we're going to let them do this instead. Or, like I did with Jamie, I'm just going to build a whole subclass, right? We mm. He was Path of the Chieftain, and that was fun. But, like, there's a lot of shit in 4th edition. So the way that 4th edition works is, first of all, really quickly, there's a couple of mechanics that you guys need to know. One is they had classes, and you could just follow the class all you want, but at a certain point, you could then pick what's called a Paragon subclass. So what that means is that once you've hit a certain level in a certain class, you then get more options of other things to pick as well. Yeah. Right? So uh, there's kind of like a branching skill tree for how subclasses work. Yeah. You don't always do that, but there are prerequisites, and you can choose not to and whatnot as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, on top of that... They, like I said, use squares instead of feet. I tried to translate as much as possible. Um, they talk about defenses. And they they had fortitude instead of con saves. They had will instead of wisdom saves. And they had reflexes instead of deck saves. So those were the defenses. And nothing for strength or um, intelligence or charisma. Just those three saves. Hmm. And everything fell into those. Additionally, on top of that, we had... Um, uh, there was no... Bounded accuracy, which means that level or uh, numerical 20 was not the max. You can just keep. If you can figure out feats and items and ways to do it, you can have 48 in strength. Just go to fucking town. Yeah. But modifiers were essentially the same. So uh, as we go, if there are any other... Oh, one other thing is they had what was called the bloodied condition. The bloodied condition just meant that you were below 50% of your hit points. If a creature gets into a bloodied condition most monsters would then start to react differently. It would unlock shit that they could do that was usually more powerful. A lot of times it was either get away, like retreat abilities, or frenzy, berserker, or healing or something, right? Um, But a lot of the player characters had shit that would happen when you are bloodied, or when you see someone that's bloodied, or whatever, then new shit would, would open up for you. One of the things that was standard for everybody was what was called a... Uh, I want to say it was a health surge where you can just recover, as I want to say, an action. You can just recover one quarter of your hit points once per encounter, once you go bloodied. Mm-hmm. So you just heal up again. Yeah, it's like a surge of adrenaline. Yeah. Now, there was still other ways <laughs> to heal, but it was just, boom, you can do this now. So you don't do it once, but that's it. So anyway, I went to the player's handbook and found the barbarian wasn't there. It didn't make the original PHB. It made it into player's handbook too. Which just goes to show that they did not respect the Barbarian too much at the very beginning, but they gave it a bunch of really cool shit. It also does really neat guidance things in 4th edition where it says, you can try playing a Dragonborn, a Goliath, a Half-Orc, or Dwarves, or Shifters. They're really, really good for being a Barbarian. If you want, there are certain builds for Half-Elves and Halflings. If you want to do that, build it like this, and you just pick different skills, you pick different things that you can do because it wasn't like at when you become this class or subclass this is what you get you would get seven options of shit to pick yep. i want that power instead of this is my class feature right yeah so a lot more options okay. 
So it kind of taught you which ones you would choose, which direction you would go in. So um, specifically, it calls out Dragonborn Goliaths, Half-Orcs, Dwarves, Shifters, Half-Elves, and Halflings in 4th edition. If you're running a table with a Barbarian that's any one of those, go look into this. It's got some ideas. So uh, the, skill, or the stats that you are supposed to lean into are Strength, Constitution, and Charisma. Because this Barbarian is not built on necessarily being out in the wild, but rather inspiring other people in combat. It's kind of like the paladin version of a barbarian. Very much so. Like your as you would attack, other people are going to get inspired by shit. Yeah. As you as you roar in combat, other people will get frightened or whatever. It's all based on your charisma. So, uh, you're meant to be melee. Hard stop. All your shit is melee. You are built tough, and it says right in that you rarely feel pain. Mm -hmm. So strength is still the number one stat because you want to do damage. It's D and D, but constitution is very much in play here. Uh, you worship primal spirits, nature deities, and gods of war. Religion was a major factor. They've pulled back on that in 5th edition. But it was very much where the uh, barbarian gets their rage powers from. Usually nature spirits and whatnot. But it can be deities or you know great old ones or whatever. As long as they are tied to the idea of the primal headspace. So rages were a combination. Uh, I, I pulled this right out verbatim out of the... Player's Handbook 2. They are a combination of skill, willpower, and ancient tribal rituals. So you are you don't just discover that you can rage one day. This is shit that you do on purpose. It's part of you being a <clears throat> tribal warrior. And it ro like rolls into what you were saying about wanting the history and like the runes and stuff. Like they would understand yeah. how to read runes. Yeah. And they would have all of that from growing mm -hmm. up. Which I love. Like it. Yeah. So you would do these rituals and the spirits that you connect to imbue your rages with special powers. You get a bunch of boosts to uh, fortitude, which was the con saves, and dexterity. Dexterity is not one of the three that they mentioned, but that's common in 4th edition and even 3.5. We're like, hey, if you want to be a little bit different, make dex a, a priority sometimes and it's going to help you through as well. Mm -hmm. um, at first level, you get to choose whether or not you want to gain temporary hit points when you kill someone, or when you drop an enemy to half, I mean, you make them bloodied, you roar and inspire either yourself or an ally, and then you add your charisma modifier to your next attack. That's pretty cool. That's fun. I got a bunch of shit. Like, there's so much for this. Okay. You can spend uh, and uh, you can spend a used rage to enhance a rage that you're in as well. So, th <laughs> so you can just super rage sometimes. But we call that Super Saiyan in yeah. the, the DBZ world. <laughs> to be clear, not every barbarian can do all of this. These are just options and shit that I've pulled out of some Random, of the classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, If you roll a critical, you can get an extra melee uh, action as well. You can choose essentially two paths to go down, but it doesn't lock you in. So there's the Rage Blood Barbarian, which is a tank, and a Thaneborn um, Barbarian, which is a leader in battle. Some of the powers that you would get to choose from would have these words in there. Like, you have to be... You can pick this, but if you are a Rageblood, then you also get this. Or if you're Thaneborn, you can also do these things. So these are specific ways to just boost up one kind of build as opposed to another. And there's so much customizability here. One of the things that I love is that uh, when you roll to hit at first level, you roll... The way that it works is you roll three damage dice. So if your sword is doing 1d10 damage, you roll 3d10 because you are raging as a barbarian and you add your strength modifier. This stacks up like crazy. At level 29, you're rolling 11d10 
Right. Like, this is what I mean. The numbers go completely, uh, like, through the roof. Yeah. So, but if you miss, you do half damage. <laughs> Which is delightful, actually. That is so good. Um, How so would that look? <laughs> you, you nick them. You never yeah. truly miss. It's kind of like a whiff. Yeah. You're just like, right. oh, I'm just going to be a little yeah. bit of a first slice, you know? Just like... <laughs> So they have four what's called Paragon Paths. The first one is the Bear Warrior, which you are essentially imbued by a bear spirit. Uh, you get um, a, a healing surge with this one. You can use it as part of your your um, Paragon Path. But yeah. you actually shift into a werebear form as part of the rage at 11th level. Mm. You just look like a werebear now. Um, your head becomes a bear's head. Amazing. Uh, you can knock <laughs> back uh, enemies uh for uh, your strength modifier times five feet. So if your strength modifier is plus nine, because of course it is, it's fourth edition, then you send them back 45 feet with a hit. Yeah. Um, and another thing that they can do at higher levels is uh, they get an extra opportunity attack against a creature that has to stand up. There was a lot of conditional stuff where you knock people down. Mm -hmm. And in previous editions, standing up means that people can hit you. Yeah, because you're distracted. You're just, yeah. Totally yeah. focusing to get on... off the ground. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. So, um, there's I know a... as a millennial, when I try and get off a couch, if someone took a swing at me, I would not be able to block <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> totally fucked. As a matter of fact, they're coming down with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going down together, my guy. Like, yeah. you... Try, try. Um, the next one is called the Fearbringer Thane. And this is a, an imposing, fearful warlord. Enemies who see you attack while raging take negatives to their attack rolls because you're scaring them. Also, and like, they don't get a save. It just happens. happens. Uh, adjacent allies get bonuses if they hit with a melee weapon. If I am standing next to Megan, I'm, I don't even have to do anything. She just gets this boost just by being beside me. Um, another one is that your crits give allies bonuses. Um, you get bonuses to all of your defenses, which means uh, the, the, the fortitude, reflex, and uh, will, but also bonuses to your AC. So they all get a plus two modifier. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, allies beside you can use a healing surge as well. Just as, as part of what you are offering um, as an ally. Yeah. We get Frenzied Berserker, which is really similar to the Berserker that we got in 5th edition. The current one, yeah. Yeah, it, except you're not just like seeing red and going nuts. You're actually an enraged tactician on the battlefield. And you're luring others in to, to have to fight you. So... Uh, if you attack and miss, you do half damage. The other one, like, you can use a certain number of times. I said before, like, if you miss occasionally, um, you can choose whether or not to do more damage. This means, like, always. You can just pop this off. Yeah. Every encounter. Uh, if you start beside an enemy, you have to attack them or you become stunned. But you can do two more damage. So it just forces you to consistently fight. While raging, if you are bloodied, you just shrug off the first five of every damage that you take. So if they do six damage, you take one. If they do 15, you take 10. Yeah. And so all of the little guys that are doing lots of little attacks, like a monk would never do damage to you. You would just shrug that shit off. Uh, as long as you don't fail a death save, you can keep fighting while below zero hit points. Oh my God. Yep. You just keep on going. <laughs> um, you, uh, and the final one is you can mark an enemy and they get to make a melee attack against you for free. 
you say, hey, it's my action. I, I mark you specifically with the with my weapon. Then they immediately attack you for free. Doesn't use up any of their action economy. But then you get to attack them for free. Doesn't use up any of yours. And then every round, if they attack you, they can get an extra attack for free. And if they do, you get an extra attack for free. So you guys are just caught in a, in a duel. You're dancing. Yeah. The thing is, they can choose not to attack you. Yeah. But, I mean, most will, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the last Paragon Pass is called Wild Runner. Uh, this is all about mobility and, and nature and whatnot. As a matter of fact, you have to be um, well-versed in the nature skill in order to even take this one. You can spend an action point. All right, action points. Action points are things that you could... They used to be called hero points in, in some editions as well. They're just like a thing that you get once a level or once a session or once a milestone, depending on what rules you're following. And the idea is that you can spend it to like suddenly heal up or get an extra attack in or uh, get an extra bonus action. Like minor little things, you just get kind of like an action surge that a, that a fighter gets. Mm-hmm. Very limited things that you can do um, just to make you feel more heroic than everybody else in the world. <laughs> so the idea here is that you can pick one of these to make a melee attack and then you can move yourself five times your strength modifier. For free. It doesn't count as part of your movement. You just go. Yeah. Uh, additionally, um, you get uh, plus five to movement all of the time and plus ten while you're raging. Whee! Which is a mechanic that, ne- that never occurred to me. Like, of course, you would be faster while raging. I should yeah. be handing that like out to barbarians. Like, your steps are yeah. much larger. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, rages gives a plus two to all of the different saves that you would get. The fort- uh, fortitude, reflex, and will. Um, but also... You get extra free movement while raging if you reduce an enemy to zero hit points. Or if you roll a d20, you can just, every turn, roll a d20. If it's a 10 or higher, you go. You get uh, extra movement that doesn't count towards your movement. Amazing. At higher levels, when you uh, use a power to choose, you can you can use this power to choose a second target. So you attack this one, and then for free, just move to the next one. As long as they're within your movement. Yeah. So you're just dancing across the battlefield with this. One of the things that we are missing in 5th edition for the first time, I think, I don't think it was in 4th ed, is the idea of the five-foot step. And I forget what they call it. I think it's a... I don't remember now. But the idea is that you have your movement, but if you want to reposition yourself, you can, for free, no problem, take a five-foot step in any direction. Mm -hmm. Everyone can always do this at any point in their turn. Because in previous editions, your movement could not be broken up by anything else. You put it before or after your action. You don't get your first yeah. attack, then right. run, then your second attack. You don't get to do that. So <laughs> this was a way of you being able to get the next person in the hallway, right? So mm. um, there's a lot of barbarian shit in 4th edition, which is depending on what level of the, the power and and what you are, uh, like the conditions and prerequisites of it, you can actually take all sorts of extra movement shit. So I kind of summarized a bunch of the powers as best I could. There are like six pages of things. That Gross. Can, we're not yeah. doing that. We're not, do, we're not going through them all. <laughs> well, I'm going to leave if you're going to try and pop off of that. <laughs> so here, here's a summary as quick as possible. Throw it down. And all of these, by the way, great shit to put on items, good feats to hand out, good yeah. boons from gods. Like, like, I can't imagine navigating all of that as a player, even like picking one of these. There's so many things to keep track of, but... But picking out a few different things as, like, a unique thing, it's like, hmm, slide that in. Well, the way that 4th edition worked was they were sick and tired of wizards having all of the options. So everybody had multiple options. And wizards, 
could pick spells, but I mean, if you're level five, you get three, you know, third level spells and, and five two level spells, whatever. But that's the same number of powers that a fighter gets and the same number of powers that a rogue gets. And so everyone was even with what they can do. It made the characters feel less unique and less special, but it meant that everyone was always doing shit, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, but here are the barbarian pieces here. You can roar as an action, and some enemies get negative two to defenses until the end of your next turn. If you kill someone, you can charge toward the next enemy. Lots of temporary hit point stuff. You, whatever, roar, kill someone, knock them bloodied, what, like whatever level it is, there's going to be powers like, and you get temporary hit points. Um, there's lots of speed bonuses while raging and jump bonuses as well. Because they wanted you as a barbarian to be jumping across the battlefield. Yeah. Some attacks knock enemies back. Some of the time it knocks them prone as well. Uh, there's lots of trade-offs. Like you get bonuses, but then your enemies get bonuses against you. That's kind of standard barbarian, like reckless attack. Uh, cleaving hits all of the enemies around you for smaller amounts of damage. So, like I said before, you're rolling three weapon dice instead you'd roll one weapon die but you'd hit all eight people standing around you with right it. so yeah i mean they'll if they all have different uh, acs you roll once this is my attack and then your dm says okay you hit that guy that guy and this guy so it's like this little area of, of uh effect so hmm. uh you can shift that's what it was called the five foot step you shift five feet between enemies as a free movement when you attack so you get it again so you're doing more movement stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, your criticals trigger extra damage extra movement or extra attacks and rages can add greater ranges for the criticals which means a critical now is 18 to 20 and if it hits you get an extra attack as well uh i actually went to a lot of the fourth edition powers for my crit table there's a bunch of shit i stole Mm, off yeah uh if you have fewer than half your hit points so you're bloodied you get damage bonuses you just choose to hey i'm going to start just hitting harder now because i'm injured um, I swear to God, we're almost done. Bonuses on strength <laughs> checks to break items while raging. There was a lot of just item damage and stuff. And well, because that was a big thing in earlier editions. Yeah, you can, like, like you kick can over, kick in doors, yeah. smash somebody else's bow in half. Like, it was shit like that. Yeah. So you'd have bonuses for that. You could break their ancestral sword. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is important to you? That's one of the things that... Uh, we've mentioned a couple times in the podcast, but it's one of the things that I miss as a player and hate as a DM was... It was called Sunder, and it was just a thing that you can do. You can Sunder their weapon. You don't attack them. You attack their weapon. And if you can roll high enough and do enough damage, you'll just break their shit. Yeah. That annoys the shit out of me as a DM. <laughs> yeah. There's also bonuses to attacks in AC every time that you get hit mm. while you're raging. So the more they hit you, either the more defendable you become or you start to hit harder. And then there's uh, bonuses to the saves and stuff while raging as well. So you would have, I guess in 5th edition terms, all of your your saving throws would start to get a plus 1, plus 2, plus 3 as you're raging. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot, but I feel like lots of those like align with, like if you want to heavily roleplay your character, those are the types of things that you might throw in for flavor, like... You get hit really hard and you're like, yes, I love it. Mm-hmm. And like, but it's just like, you do that, but you really are just fucking hurt. But with that, it's like. <laughs> My feelings get hurt. I got mad about it. Well, well there's like, a, there's a mechanical thing for everything. Yeah. There. You notice there's nothing spells still. There's nothing ranged. You're there to do melee martial attacks. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a good solid list. I recommend everybody. I'm not kidding. I went through the first two pages and went, 
fuck this. I am summarizing. This is the end. <laughs> yeah. And then I got to the end of all the powers and found that there were four paragon paths. Holy shit. <laughs> like, fuck this. Like, there's so much. Because you choose. Oh. If you want to be, like, the rage born or the thane born or the rage blood at the beginning, and then you pick a paragon path. Meanwhile, you're picking and choosing and swapping powers. And the powers, sometimes you can use whenever you want. Sometimes you can only use them once per an encounter. Sometimes they pop off at special times only. If, like, the battlefield or the encounter, like, lets you do it. And sometimes you can do it once per, like, long rest. Mm -hmm. So you've got to sit there and manage, essentially. We bought the cards for it. We were essentially playing a card game D&D. As we were moving pieces on the squares on the... It didn't feel like D&D. Not really. It yeah, felt... Too much to keep track of. It wasn't even that. It just felt gamified. Mm-hmm. Right? But I could take any one, two, three of these things and tweak them just a bit and fix the language and give them to a barbarian player and they'd be so fucking happy. And it wouldn't bog it down. Because I find that a lot of like the... When you're in turn-based combat in D&D, there's a lot of... You're taking too long to make up your mind about what you want to do. And I feel like that comes from 3.5 and 4 because of how much shit you have on your page to read through to make sure you're doing it right. Yeah. And I feel Mm -hmm. like 5th edition bodes for a little bit more ease and that's why people then relax at the table and then what takes the time is to be like, oh shit, it's my turn. But it still takes, in my mind, still takes less time for me to take a turn in 5th edition than it did when I played in 3.5. Oh, fuck yeah. Holy. Honestly, I used to go to 7-Eleven as soon as my... My turn was over. It was four blocks away. Yeah. I would get back and still have to wait through half of the party. Yep. Oh it, my God. Uh, <laughs> and it's because you're reading so much crap that your character can do. Yeah. And you want to make sure you're not missing anything. Yeah. And even when you decide what you do, it then takes there's. explanation. Yeah. Like then there's, okay, I'm going to do this. And then working through each thing, the DM checking, doing a whole bunch of math. Yeah. <laughs> but, but this is what I like about. Fifth edition is it's streamlined except for spellcasters. Spellcasters have a bunch of shit to go through, right? Yeah. It is more streamlined. That's why I like these extra bonus things to hand out, and why I say always use the Tasha's um, special features that that are in there whenever you level. It gives your marshals more shit to do, because even though I had all the Tasha's stuff, I was bored. My turn was throw the mace. I yeah. played it for two for two sessions. I mean, there were five-hour sessions, but, like, what what am I doing on my turn? Yeah, yeah and it's like, oh, you miss. Okay. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing is, like, at lower level, because I'm playing a monk in our current campaign, and for the first couple levels, I was bored when combat would happen. Because yeah. I'd pop off my punches. If I missed, I did nothing that round. Yeah. And, there was and you really... were asleep half of the time anyway. I kept yeah, hitting sleep spells. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, like, it just, like, those kinds of little things that you can add to make, like, their battle a little bit more entertaining. It's kind of like how when we play in other role-playing games like Call of Cthulhu or um, even in when we did L5R, when you're playing a class that's not necessarily martial or a fighter and you're fighting something, it gives them something else to focus on and do. Like, this is that representation done for a barbarian. Yeah. If you're not just fucking up shit with your fists, like, you can actually do something entertaining with your battlefield. It's that battlefield, like, um, control. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that when we talked about the giant's background um and like path that back that gives you that those options mm-hmm. to be a little bit more control of that battlefield you're almost like the paladin that can actually move things around and move pieces on the board you're not just running after the one target and hitting it you're taking your time right right so. that's what i like about the paragon paths is they're not subclasses they're yeah. just a like you go down this road you still every time you level get to choose more powers and all that other shit but every once in a while you hit that milestone of a I think it's 11th, 16th, and and it's like every five levels or so. Yeah. 
you then get your next badass cool thing to do. And it's and they're all so different. But the difference between 4th edition and 5th edition, even 3.5, 5th edition is different because of the way it's structured. Everywhere else was you follow this tree until you pick a different branch. Within the same, like, class. You take this um, paragon path or what were they called? In, uh, I'm not going to remember what they were called, 3.5. They had another special name that you would go off and, and do, like... You have to be an 8th level fighter and a 3 level monk in order to be able to do the this subclass day. for only 4 levels. And then you can go pick something like it maxes at 4 but you're super powerful by the end of it. Yeah. In one specific fucking thing. Whereas 3.5 is like, hey, you pick one thing once. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And it, it only gives you 4 powers over the next 18 levels. Great. That's it. Yeah. Love it. Right. So streamlined. But by the time you've played it for 6 months, you're bored. Yeah. Right, so and that's give, when people multiclass. That's when people multiclass. Because so, <laughs> I'm less excited about the next things now. Yeah, so I'm gonna do something different. Yeah, uh, that, different. That's when everyone decides to be part warlock. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. Yeah. Give me. <laughs> give me rogue, warlock, or bard. Those are the three that people want, right? So. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I definitely think that looking into the fourth edition um, uh, powers and the stuff that 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 they built in there. And by the way. They have wildly different classes as well. There's some like weird shit in there that you guys don't, uh, you've never thought about, right? I think Shifter is one of their main races in in fourth edition. I think I remember playing a Scion. Yeah. Oh, there was all sorts of shit. There was. Yeah. Uh, the Random myth, nonsense. The Mystic Thurge was absolutely fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, like there were just there were so many different. I think. Sh- Sean was a shadow dancer for a while. Like, there's so much stuff to do in previous editions. And a load of fun. Like, it's it's great. But prestige classes. That's what 3.5 is called. That was going to keep me up all fucking night. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get, like, at 4 o'clock in the morning yeah. oh, expecting the Discord message. Uh-huh. Prestige! <laughs> so, anyway, that's, uh, that's what we have from 4th edition. There's a lot more that I didn't cover, but that kind of generally summarizes the feel of where barbarians used to be compared to where they are now. Mm -hmm. Whereas where they are now are really just rage monsters that have a couple of extra special elemental powers for the most part. That's fair. Right? You're not wrong. So. All right. Well, so before we wrap up this episode, let's cut to our last ad break. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagements like that help us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. Do you guys have any final inspirations about this subclass or about barbarians? Or I just like the idea that barbarians don't always have to be stupid. Like, yeah, I mean, at the beginning we talked about how librarians are supposed to be, like, the, the dump stats are, like, your intelligence and, like, your charisma. I, I like to play against the green on that one for sure. That's what I like. The charisma is a major feature in 4th edition. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because you are a leader. And that's what Jamie wanted out of it. That's why we made Path of the Chieftain. Yeah. So that he could inspire others. We didn't have a battle master at the table, so I was essentially stealing that shit off a fighter. But Fair like, enough. But there was... So much more to do besides just dumb brute hit thing. Yeah, and I think that like uh, when we talked about the the Bigsby's giant um, path, it just it reinvigorated that inspiration 
to that they don't aren't just built to hit shit and quit you know like yeah they can have a wisdom background they can be a scholar they can do these things you have to build them in a certain way and that's more for the role-playing aspect not necessarily the, the build or the, the numbers behind it right yeah but and i think that's where um you could perhaps surprise a dm depending on what you pick like it's like oh what'd you pick it's like oh i'm gonna do a barbarian it's like cool Great. okay well <laughs> that's gonna and then but then you can come to the table with like this whole complex backstory and you have a I'm actually a real knight and i speak giant and, and i do speak all to this the giants. Stuff. Yeah. so i really appreciate i'm glad this book exists yeah. now and like even when i was hoping when we were reviewing the book talking about um the ordning yeah. and making sure like this like have a just more information for people to read and understand and recognize so that they can put it into their backstory. Because you can bring the ordning into it. Like, let's yeah. say that your character is this, has this, bar- this barbarian giant background, but they're a hill giant. Like, they're half hill giant. And that's what their background is. They know they're at the bottom of the ordning. So yeah. then now, as a character, they listen to everyone else. Totally. Because from their perspective, they've been taught, you are at the bottom of the ordning. Your whole life, you have been... A worker bee, you do the you do the jobs you're told to do, and now that's who you are as a character. Could yeah. you imagine if your like character flaw, like on your sheet, is is I only listen to people who are taller than me? Yeah, like, <laughs> or it could be the opposite too, where like you're like you're from storm giants or you're from fire giants, and you're like, well, or no. you're an indignant hill giant that yeah. has like walked away from the ordning because tall people can't tell me what the fuck to do. Yeah, anymore. fuck these guys. I'm yeah. bigger, stronger than they are. Blah blah blah. Right. So you can bring in those aspects of the giants themselves, which I think is a, a great addition to be able to have like a, a backstory to a barbarian that's a hell of a lot more interesting than talk shit, get hit. Agreed. Fuck around, find out. Mm-hmm. You know? So Megan, what you're saying is there's more to characters than fuck around and find out because I'm sitting Shut here... Up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear it, Adam. <laughs> you want to fuck around and find out? <laughs> Because if you talk shit, you're going to get hit. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's in one ear and out the other sometimes. (laughs) So, uh, that's all for this part of our discussion on Barbarians in 5th Edition. Make sure that you subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Thank you for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, a store with some It's a Mimic merch, and a Patreon. This episode and others can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits. And don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. So, check, check, check. This is my voice. This is my podcast voice doing podcast things. Barbarians. Giant threat of the battlefield. Look, look, look at those. Look, look at your noises. Is it beautiful? It's quite lovely. It's <sighs> perfect. Do you need me to close the door? No, I'll close the door. <laughs> There's no candle in here, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> There's no point. <laughs> it's going to get... It's-
it's gonna get gross. This is where the hope ends. <laughs> let, 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 let me tell you something. Uh, where's the fucking vent in this room? That there it is. Yeah. That is the first one that the heat goes to, okay. and I have closed it, and I have actually stuffed shit into it. It does not matter. We will cook by the end of the recording. Phenomenal. I'm stoked. <clears throat> yeah. I'm glad I wore sweatshirt and pants. Yes, every recording here should be shorts and t-shirt. But it's the fall, and I want to embrace it. Because fuck no, you, Summer. Tearaways. Layers. No, I don't want to wear tearaways. <laughs> <laughs> Someone the other day wore called them, like, unbuttoned pants. And what? I'm like, and I'm like, I'm sorry. No. What year were you born? <laughs> unbuttoned pants. They're called, you mean tearaways? And they're like, yeah, those. I'm like, oh. Fuck. I also really appreciate you gave me the middle part of the introduction, which has all the fucking words. And I'm just like, I read it over. I'm like, <sighs> so many words. <laughs> just expect to say that more than once. Welcome, welcome back, Casey. <laughs> well, well, do you want to swap those? Because I can absolutely do that ramble. I've done it before. Yes. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'll, I can I'll, do I'll, those I'll take it for the. Piece. I'll take it for the intro. Like, if we want this to actually proceed, it yeah. might be better. We'll be here for a while if you make me pronounce all those words. And I have not been drinking. It's just... <laughs> there's no... Yeah, there's no drinking <clears throat> happening, so there's no loosey-goosiness, so... But Do yeah. you guys want liquor? I have liquor. Always. Yeah? Don't offer it. I, I, will, I, say I yes. will say no. All right. What kind of liquor do you have? Oh, I get some for everybody. Phenomenal. <laughs> Is this going to be another coffee mug and just take it? <laughs> I went out for, okay, so on my birthday, I went out for my Denny's free Grand Slam. <gasps> well and, done. And the best thing, I, I anytime I go to Denny's or any restaurant, everybody's like, what would you like to drink? I'm like, water, Diet Coke, coffee, and then maybe a mimosa. So I always order like three to four beverages as soon as I sit down. Everyone's like, what the fuck? I'm like, it's a stimulant thing. I just need four yeah. different, four different items. Yeah. For liquid. So <laughs> I'll never turn down a beverage. Whether it is alcoholic or non-alcoholic, whatever it is. If it is a liquid, I will consume it. But It makes sense. Yeah. Which is weird because I'm constantly dehydrated. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the serious look. Constantly dehydrated. The types of it's liquid. The caffeine, it's the caffeine, 100%. Because it's the coffee, it's the energy drinks, it's the vitamin B. Yeah. 700% of my vitamin B for the day. <laughs> And only 20% of my vitamin C, it's just scurvy and dehydration. Uh, most of the things that I have to drink are dark hard bar. Do you guys want ice in it? No, I'm good. Yes. Yes to ice. Neat for me. Neat. No. Unless it's rum. No, not, not rum. Okay. So apparently last year there was a shot that went viral that I just completely missed, but it was a shot um, of Fireball and Rum Chata mixed together. Oh, okay. And it's supposed to taste like um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. For fuck's sakes, it would. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, well, that's happening like all season. Okay. So the next <laughs> time, the next time we play D&D, we'll, we'll, we'll mix up some shots and get okay. Dan hammed. Yeah. Like how it's Dan that's going to get hammed. It's just because drunk Dan's my favorite Dan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. And hey, why not? That's true. And like, you know, Charlie can drink because he's of age. We keep forgetting that, but Charlie yeah. can drink, right? <clears throat> oh. You are the only yeah. person on this planet that I know that drinks Fireball hey. regularly. Except for Adam, obviously, <laughs> who just yelled. <laughs> but like, and is openly honest about it. Like, yeah, I fucking love Fireball. And I'm like, it's like everybody's a horror story for their children, though. You know? Kind of like how no one has a good tequila story. I feel like in my life, yeah. nobody has a good Fireball story. Oh, yeah. 
See, I wasn't spoiled that way. I had it in delightful shots. I didn't drink it straight as much as I do now. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but it's the cure-all. Especially just keep it in the freezer. It's like... It's like NyQuil. <gasps> it's like a nice little warm feeling. You know. It makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> it makes me feel... What did I say? When, I, when, I, when I'm drunk, I am more confident than I deserve to be. Is my answer. <laughs> Thank you. We, we can re-up later if you'd like. What was it? Ooh, Ooh, it smells. It smells like fireball. <laughs> I was saying, is this, it's like a mezcal. Like, what is that? Oh, that's a single malt scotch. Mmm, scotchy scotch. Spoiled. Oh boy, that is delicious. Okay, just push one of the models back. Yeah, I'm like, which? That's what I do. Which one? Do I... Yeah, this chair is the sinker. They're all sinkers. They're all sinkers now, apparently. All right, there's no winners. <laughs> they're all stinkers. Sorry, just enunciate. Did you get a cold open? You never do cold open, so I didn't know if you saw that there's a cold open. <laughs> sure did I did yeah. not. Okay. Sure did it. Cool. Uh, do you have one? I can absolutely pull one out of my okay. ass. I suck at... You know what? I even looked, but then saw the um, highlight of Pepperina for ad break and equated that to something there and then didn't look at the rest <laughs> Like, oh, weird, Pepperina's on here. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> the, num the number of episodes you're on, you've never heard anything about, just because we've got your clips for the voices to the... <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. I absolutely did not see that. <laughs> totally fine. Normally, I sit down and go, so, did you do a cold open? Everyone goes... What? Uh, 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 uh. I will say... The um, episode zero to eight that I prepped for, I prepped a cold open. Did you? <laughs> yes. And then you didn't get to record <laughs> and then, it. And then I wasn't on it. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I did my homework for once. Oh. Yeah, it was a really good one, too. No, I believe you. We'll never know. We'll never know, because it was very specific to the episode. I can never, ever, ever use it anywhere else. <laughs> we'll find a way. I swear, I haven't drank yet. Oh, bottoms up. Let's go. All right. <laughs> <sighs> That's so ugly. <laughs>